You may be seated. Living in the light of Christ, we're walking through the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 right now. Our reading for today is found in chapter 4, verse 7 and following. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some of us to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thank you, Debbie. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you today. Has, has anyone close to you, your spouse or maybe a good friend, ever said to you, we need to have a serious discussion? What does that usually mean? It means you're in trouble, probably, right? <laughs> well, today, I want to have a serious discussion with you, but it's, it's not to give you a quiver in your liver, Okay. It's, it's to, to celebrate what God has been doing for 40 years at this church and what He continues to do, but what He's doing in you and in your heart and in your, in your life. A good place to start is for us to think about our, our congregation, our church, and its ministry as we review our mission. Let's read it together. The mission of CLC is to reach out, care for, and build people toward maturity in Christ. And when we think about that end goal, maturity in Christ, uh, it's to be like Jesus. And at the heart of who Jesus was, was the fact that he came to give his life. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if we're to be like Jesus in our church, but also in our individual lives, we need to have a serious talk. We need to think about what it means for me to be a servant. Today in our Ephesians lesson, as we continue on through the book of Ephesians, we get to this part where God talks about how He gave gifts to His church, how He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. For what purpose? It says to prepare God's people for the works of service. The RSV, the Revised Standard Version, is the version that I grew up memorizing, and it says in that line, to build God's people for the work of ministry. Actually, in Greek, it's the same word, ministry and service. And yet, when you th think about it, when people use the word ministry, they usually refer to professional church people. Someone who works for a church is in ministry, right? But the Bible says that 
every believer in Jesus, every baptized Christian, everyone connected to Christ through faith is in ministry. That God has given you specific gifts with which to show your love for God and your love for other people. It's all about serving. Uh, And yet, sometimes in our church culture, we can't get beyond this whole idea of professional ministry. It was in the Los Angeles Times a couple years ago that the then Archbishop Roger Mahoney called for the term ministry to be used only for functions and activities which were led by the ordained priests. He said, we need to discourage many of the parish activities from being called ministry. He went on, he said, my concern, said the bishop, is that we have diluted the meaning of ministry. Now, with all due respect to Cardinal Mahoney, that's a bunch of baloney, okay? That's not what the Bible says. It says God has given gifts to His church so that we would be equipped to do ministry, to do works of service. It's true that pastors carry certain leadership responsibilities, and the Bible says that we are to respect our spiritual leaders. But pastors are not the ones who are called to primarily do the ministry. They are to equip God's people for the work of ministry. Well, there are some obstacles that stand in the way of this reality, this truth of Scripture, that every single person is called to be a minister. Martin Luther, in his writings, called it the priesthood of all believers. What are some of those obstacles? Number one, first of all, it's a pastor-focused church. A pastor-focused church is one where the people look for the pastors or the staff to do the work of ministry for them. After all, that's what we pay them to do, right? But let me tell you, this church, Carmel Lutheran Church, now Cornerstone Lutheran Church, has never been all about the pastors. In fact, today we want to review again just how this church began. There were a hundred and some people who realized a need for another Lutheran church. They were lay people, just like you. They didn't get a pastor for eight months. And during that time, they they met and they served and they worshiped and they built one another up. Uh, We we have an awesome opportunity in this video to hear from four of our charter members. And let's just listen to this video of how things kind of got started here at CLC. My name is Tim McRoberts. I have been blessed to be a member of CLC since the, the original date, charter member. I'm Connie Hackman, a charter member of Cornerstone Lutheran Church, formerly called Carmel Lutheran Church. My name is Carolyn Kroger. I am an original member at Cornerstone Lutheran Church. My name is Sandy Hodges, and um, I've been a member at Carmel Lutheran for 40 years. And this is my husband, Tim. And he's been a member for 27 years. As I look back over our last 40 years, I marvel at the love and the faithfulness that God has given to this congregation. My husband, Glenn Hackman, deceased in 2001, was the first president of our congregation. He was instrumental in obtaining these 10 acres from Hazel Foster, a local businesswoman. In those 40 years, I look back at wow, the many blessings that God has 
has granted us in this community uh, from our humble beginnings in the Carmel Elementary Gym. We met in rental buildings, a bank basement, a local elementary school, held Lenten services one winter at the Lions Club with Pastor Schultz, the minister at the Noblesville Lutheran Church, graciously helping us out. We also had our dear Carl Lepper to guide and advise us. When 118 people gathered for worship in October of 1976, each family accepted responsibility to volunteer and move this church forward in its mission until we had a pastor eight, mo eight months later. Our pastoral leadership, our staff leadership has always fearlessly taken the next step in the mission of our church and they take it so seriously and they trust in God and they trust that God will be with us in the next step, whether it's um, building a new addition, whether it's planting a new church, um, whether it's starting contemporary worship in the gym back in the day, which was a huge step, um, whether it's becoming a multi-site church. They've always been fearless at pursuing um, God's will and, and um, just uh, spreading the word of God. We've had such wonderful leadership over the years from both the pastoral staff as well as congregational people that are willing to go the extra a mile and, and put in the effort to build and develop our foothold in the community and reaching out and building others up toward Christ. Through the years, I have witnessed the same discipleship among, this, among our members, volunteers through their own efforts and own initiatives, establishing programs like MOPS and like International Friends and Friendship Saturday, and of course, all the mission trips. God has so very richly blessed us, and I'm thankful to be here today to take part in our 40th celebration. Thank you. God has been faithful and true and guides us in all that we do. And we have, uh, some, I know some of our original charter members with us today. We'd like to honor our charter members. Would you please stand, our charter members? Back in the back. Come on, ladies. Thank you. For 40 years, this church has been about God's people, using the gifts that God has given to them to serve, to reach out, care for, and build people to be more and more like Jesus. And so that's one obstacle, though, is when the church is so focused on the pastor that, that the people don't, don't do anything. A second obstacle is that of what, what I call self-serving Christians. You know, there are all different kinds of people. You, we are so unique, aren't we? Some of you are morning people. Some of you are night people. Uh, some of you are cat people. Some of you are dog people. Some of you root for IU. Some of you root for Purdue. And we could just go on and on, right? We're all different, but you know, we all share one thing in common. We all have the same challenge, the same problem in our lives. It's called sin. And what's the middle letter of sin? I. It's the big I. And we carry our self-focused, our self-centered nature with us when we come into the church. 
And so oftentimes when Christians come together in a church, we become very self-serving because it becomes about me. The church exists to meet my needs, to fit my preferences, to match my styles, my wishes. And it's only natural that, that this happens, and I find myself doing that too. And yet Jesus calls us together to be his church so that we would look beyond ourselves, so that we would not come to be served, but to serve as Jesus has served us. And so that's another obstacle. A third obstacle is what I call a program-based congregation. You know, it's possible that we, have, we can have such a high priority for all of our programs, and you heard some of them mentioned. Through the years, we've had wonderful programs. I think about our vacation Bible school. I think about our Sunday school. I think about our, our, our small groups, our youth, our worship, our music here. I think about all the things that we've done, and in doing so, God's people have certainly been blessed. And yet, it's possible that the cry of our heart is not to be Christ-based, but program-based. And when we are a program-based church, we're simply doing things, again, to please me, to make sure my needs are met. And that can be, that can be very subtle. Uh, a program-based church can soon become all about me. And people get pushed and shoved and burnt out trying to maintain all these programs rather than being, instead of a program-based church, a presence-based church. That we are built on the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. His word, later his sacrament. That's what fills us with his grace so that his grace transforms us to be people who serve. You know, it took, uh, it was a lot of prayer a lot of discussion to come up with the name Cornerstone Lutheran Church to unify all of our sites. But the blessing of that is that it always reminds us that we are a presence-based church. Everything is built on Jesus, who is the cornerstone. Everything is lined up and built upon Him, including our individual lives. A third uh, kind of, of barrier that we see in our world today, uh, in the American Christian church is that of perfection-driven ministries. Perfection. Many American Christians who would rather be served than to serve end up worshiping at the altar of excellence, of quality. Everything needs to be done perfectly because after all, it's being done for me and, and, and I want it done right. Okay, It needs to be perfect. And in turn, the psychology of this says, let's just let the professionals do it because then it will be done really well. But here's the truth. As more and more people get involved in ministry, not everything will be perfect. Yes, we strive to do our best for the Lord who has given us His best. But let's be honest, we can be a little rough around the edges because how many of us are perfect? None of us, okay? And it's easy for us who have been around a while to walk around like with a mental clipboard in our minds as a self-appointed expert and go around and find fault with what's going on. Friends, there's no grace in that. And yet through the shed blood of Jesus and His resurrection, we, this church, is a place of grace. I thank that, that the Lord that over the history of this church, 40 years, 24 of them I've been here, that the whining and the complaining level at this church has been pretty low, okay? It's been, it's, you are a blessing. And I say, well, why is that? 
It's because of the understanding that every single one of us is on level ground at the foot of the cross. Every single one of us is in need of grace in our lives. Every single one of us looks to the cross knowing that Jesus died for me because I am a sinner. And that when he rose from the dead, that my sins were defeated, that now I have life. And when we understand that life under Jesus and his grace, then we can then be servants. And when others serve, we aren't so judgmental about them. And we understand that we're in this together. Friends, the truth is, if God's people are not serving, if you are not ministering, the work of Christ is not going to get done. When the leaders of this church envisioned what might happen at these 10 acres, and now the 18 acres at Fishers, and now the pen downtown, when the leaders envisioned what might happen here, a vision of reaching out to people, that vision would have never happened if we solely depended on the pastors and the staff. And ministry takes place because of what you, the people of God, do in serving and loving God and other people. I'll never forget, though, when uh, this place was completed back in uh, 2005 and six, right in there. Pastor Max had just got here. We moved our contemporary worship from the gym into the worship center here. And uh, someone came up to me and said, Pastor, this is just tremendous. Just look at all this. This is great. And then looked right at me and pointed right at me and said, now, Pastor, it's your job to fill this place up. Whoa. It's not my job. It's our privilege that God has given to us to be servants, isn't it? And to work together in the ministry that God has given to us to reach out in the name of Jesus. And in order for that to be effective, I think there's three questions that we need to ask ourselves. The first question is, what is God doing among us? We look around. We see the changes in our society and in our world. We see the needs, the hurting people, the people in need of grace. And God opens up our eyes to see what He's doing and what He can do through us. Friends, that's the way so many ministries have, have, have gotten started here in the 40 years. It's not because of an initiative necessarily from a pastor or a staff person. It's because people like you saw a need and they asked God, to direct and lead them. And sure enough, God has led so many. When two or three have, have got together and agreed on a ministry and they get going on it, that's how things get started around here. What is God doing among us? It helps us to take the focus off of me and what God is doing. The second question is, what has God called me to do? You see, God invites each and every one of us to be involved in His work. By virtue of who you are as a child of God, your relationship to God through Jesus Christ, you have not only been called, but you've also been gifted to serve. Verse 7 in this section says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. You have been given grace. You have been gifted to serve. Just as God told Jeremiah, you know, this is a, a sanctity of life weekend all across Christian churches in our nation. And we believe that life starts at conception. And listen to these words that God told Jeremiah. He said, before I made you in your mother's womb, that's when life starts, said, I chose you. Before you were born, the Lord told Jeremiah, I set you apart for a special work. 
And that's true for you too. God has set you apart for a special work. And so we're constantly asking in our quiet time with God, God, what's the plan? What do you want me to do? I know that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, and God leads us by the power of his word so that we can, we can understand that God has called us to a plan to reach out beyond ourselves to serve. What have you called me to do? Sometimes it's as simple as, as taking out the, the, the ministry catalog. You know, we have these every quarter here. And you just go through the ministry catalog, you see all the things that are happening through the ministry here. But that's not where it, it stops. You've got a ministry maybe in your community, in your family, at your place of work, at your school. God can use you wherever you are. What do you want me to do, Lord? And so you pray about that. And thirdly, then, the third question that we have to answer is, with God's help, what adjustments do I need to make in order to join God in the work that He is doing? You know, for all of our lives, we get so busy, we get so focused on things of this world that maybe we need to sit back and say, God, help me to organize my life, to reorient my life around your priorities for me. You know, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so in order to answer God's call, sometimes we need to be like Isaiah. The Lord called Isaiah, said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And that's when Isaiah answered, here am I, send me, send me, Lord. And in order for us to answer that call, to be his ministers, it means sometimes we have to rethink and reprioritize. Am I seeking the kingdom of God first with my time? Am I seeking the kingdom of God first in the way I use my abilities and the gifts that he's given to me? Am I seeking God first with my income, my resources, and am I honoring you first and setting apart first for you? And so God wants to move each and every one of us as he has served us so He calls us to minister, to be servants to others. Uh, All of us are kind of called in this way to be like a flashlight. Uh, It wasn't that long ago that uh, working with uh, uh, Christmas decorations up in the crawl space that I went to get a flashlight and I found four of them. Guess how many worked? Well, so you you know, you you scrounge around, you find some batteries and you put the batteries in and sure enough, it, it starts to work. But so oftentimes, then I'll put the batteries in, and we'll put them back on the shelf, and, uh, you know, we're waiting for the big one, right? The big ice storm, the big power failure, whatever, and, and here in Carmel, most of our lines are buried, so we don't use flashlights that much, and they just sit on the shelf for a later time, a holding pattern. Is that us? Is that you and me? Are we using the gifts that God has given? Are we just kind of put on a shelf where we're put on a holding pattern? God who has brought light to darkness, Jesus who has said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus Christ is the one who has lighted your life. And it's not just so that you can shine for yourself, right? It's so that you can be light in the darkness of this world and that God can use you just like the priority of Jesus, not to be served, but to serve and to give your life away to bless others. Well, friends, it's been great having a serious talk with you today. 
We praise God for the 40 years that he's given to us. And we think about the future and we think about the blessings that are ahead of us. As each and every one of us realizes that God's at work in our midst. And that we pray, God, show me what you want me to do. And help me to reorganize and plan my priorities so that I am seeking you first in my life. May God help that to be so. And God's people said together, amen.